dating. I have a long-time, long-term, close woman friend, and fairly recently I engaged in an interaction with her in which I attempted to convince her that we had actually once upon a time been on a date. And she said, no, we, were, we never went on a date. What are you talking about? And I explained, well, I invited you to do something with me, and we agreed to meet at a certain place, and we had a certain experience in terms of, in that case, it was going to a movie, and everything was fine, and we parted at the end of the evening, and it seemed to me like it was a date. And she said, no, I, I vaguely remember that, but you and I never went on a date. Huh. So people have this word that they use, date and dating, but they seldom have any real idea of what it is. Well, let's talk about dating from the male point of view. I've been told that there are men who date specifically with the intention of having sex. Some men even have a budget for a date. A $200 dinner Perhaps it's with inflation, it's probably now 250, 275 is supposed to get you intimacy, to get you laid, if you pardon the expression, or something along those lines. Huh. You know, men specifically have these budgets and they, they think about it. Sometimes men make a monthly budget, I've been told, of the money they will spend in order to take women out and have sexual intimacy, or, as I said previously, get laid. That's quite interesting. It's quite strange. I can kind of imagine doing that, but not really. When asks, what is getting laid for these guys? Are they thinking about relationships, the R word, or not? Probably not. I think many of them are going into the situation with the concern that the woman is along for the ride or along for the experience for an entirely different reason. Certainly not just, I mean, men will never assume that a woman is there entirely for the sex unless he's a tremendous egotist. And there are such people out there. Nothing wrong with that. Of course you want to sleep with me because I'm so attractive and so marvelous and so good in bed. And every other aspect of me you can simply ignore. In fact, I encourage you to ignore those other aspects of me because you're not supposed to pay attention to those. Very strange and interesting and bizarre. I have a, a friend who's, I would say, middle-aged. And within the last couple of years, he got divorced, as people do. He'd been married for a very long time. They'd raised two daughters together. And he told me on several occasions he had very little idea of what his wife did. She worked for a living all that time for a rather obscure company. But he kept asking himself, what does my wife do all day? Not that he was suspicious, suspicious of anything, simply because it was so obscure that it was almost impossible to ask her. So they got divorced after all that time. They'd done the thing couples often do. The kids were out of the house. So now they had to face each other. They no longer had to, f to come to terms with all the, the crises and issues of child-rearing, education, and all of those things. 
So they're just sitting there face to face, across from each other, and they're saying, golly, why are we here anymore? There was a premise for our being here, but there isn't one anymore. We don't really have anything in common. Outside of the fact that we got married at a certain point, we had a had and have some kind of a sexual encounter that continues ongoing, but there's no reason for us to, to be here. So my friend decides that he's going to go on uh, dating sites. And he'd actually explored something at some point called adult friend finders. Many of you have heard of adult friend finders, and basically what this is is it's for married people who want to have dalliances during the day. These things exist, and they come and go, and they come and go in terms of their popularity and whatnot. But he'd explored that, and I think his wife actually saw his open computer screen, and she saw adult uh, friend finders. And uh, she kind of freaked out, but not all that much. So my friend goes on to another app post-divorce. He goes, goes on to another of these, these websites, and he finds a woman. Of course, what men always say when they go on these things is that they all lie. The women all lie. The women claim to be slim, and they're really fat. The women claim to be 35, and they're really 65. You know, you know the standard complaints men, men make uh, about women. So he goes to lunch with this woman, and uh, two or three days later, he and I have lunch. And he says, all the woman wanted to do throughout this date was to talk about her home remodeling. And after about 10 or 15 minutes of this, I just wanted to get the bleep out of there. I did not want to hear anything about her home remodeling anymore. And he was determined never, ever to connect with this woman ever again. And, well, she was nervous, no doubt. And he was not very good at bringing her out in terms of elucidating what aspects of her personality and her activities might uh, create some common ground. But, you know, that was a date for my friend, which left him feeling not angry, but not, not sad even, but kind of, kind of empty. Yours truly, a long time ago, actually uh, saw one of these dating things, and, I, and he said, I said, I'm going to fill this questionnaire out. It seemed rather silly and not really pertinent to who I was, but I filled the thing out anyway. So I submit the thing, not expecting anything to, to happen. Unbeknownst to me, a woman who worked in my office filled out the same questionnaire in the same dating site, and we got each other. You cannot possibly imagine two people who would be more incompatible in terms of our interests or our views of life than this woman and myself. It seemed almost incredible. So... It was a subject of a minor laugh, of a slight guffaw back at that time, and the strangest, oddest thing that, that, that happened is she ended up hanging out at my house a lot, and uh, after a while, I, you know, a certain amount of alcohol was involved uh, on our various encounters at my house, to which she invited herself, but we ended up having a relationship. And... She's a very nice person, but there was, again, no premise for the relationship. We had entirely different views of life. She had a view of myself that had nothing to do with me. I thought I had her figured out pretty well, but she didn't. She had no view of life that had anything to do with me. It was very strange. So we hung out 
you know, back and forth, but uh, it, there was nowhere to go from there because, as I said, there was no premise of a relationship. One thing that, that people have to do if they're in a relationship, you know, they can do various things. They can go, uh, I don't know, water skiing, or they can go motorcycling, or they can go hiking, or they can do this, that, and the other thing. They can take, they can take trips, and they can do exercise, and hikes, and a million other things that they, could, that they can do, but in the course of all of these activities, they have to end up one way or the other talking. And there are things to talk about that couples do talk about and really need to talk about that have nothing to do with the logistics of the moment. Nothing to do with, oh, we're having such a good time today, and uh, what are we going to do for dinner? And after dinner, oh, what are we going to do this, that, and the other thing? It's just, oh, who are we going to get together of your friends this weekend, or my friends, or I can't stand that guy that you like, or vice versa, all that kind of thing. But, I mean, there's talk that needs to go on, and it's talk. I'm somewhat skeptical of putting things into words in a certain way, as my other videos have disclosed. But talk needs to take Place. Talk needs to take place between two people in a relationship or who are even contemplating the notion of being in a relationship. Just needs to happen. As I said a moment ago, and probably, you know, I have said it a couple of times already, there has to be a premise for a relationship. I know that, uh, you know, women accept invitations from men to go to dinner, go to elaborate dinners, two, three, four, five hundred dollar dinners, never had one of those yet, but I'm, I'm ready. And, uh, or even to, you know, go on trips uh, to foreign countries or domestic or, you know, whatever. And one has to sort of ask women who do these things and, and ask the men who take them along, what is on the minds of these, of these, of the, these people? And when man and a woman start hanging out in that context and things kind of go badly. And the woman, as is often the case, ends up feeling hurt in a situation like that or feeling that she's been wronged or pain has been caused to, to her. Yes, yes, the man bears responsibility, but it's also the whole context, the whole setup, the whole premise, the entire scenario. Something ain't right there from the very beginning. And... Darn it, I can't necessarily put my finger on it. The whole dating thing is, is actually quite bizarre. Don't have it figured out. In my life, I'm, I meet women in the course of my activities. I'm in the motion picture industry. I go to film festivals. I, I remember a couple of years I would go to the famous Sundance Film Festival. One year it was very delightful. I met a woman there, just casually at, at a party, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, she worked for a famous African-American film director, and I had a film in, in competition, which actually won, which was an African-American theme film directed by a white director. So in a certain sense, she was a little bit dubious and skeptical of, of my film, you know, uh, because, you know, she would have preferred if we'd done a film by a black director. 
But we hung out, went to parties, and all the big critics kept coming up to us and saying, you know, Randolph, I really love the film that, that, you, that you, you have here. It's so fantastic. And she would, she would stand there because she knew that she couldn't really say anything because it might, get a, it might get her into trouble with her boss. But it was just a delightful time, so delightful, you know, because we had things in common. We had things that, that, that we shared. Things that that could have been, in some other scenario, the basis of a long-term friendship, and possibly something beyond that. We we had we had a sense of being comfortable. The sense of being comfortable doesn't just come from a kind of social comfort. The kind of social comfort that you want in a relationship is not the kind of social comfort that you have with a, you know a. A girlfriend, or a, in that sense, if you're a woman, or with a male buddy, if you're if you're a man, the sense of social comfort in a relationship is something very different, and also the ability to go and interact with the world as a couple in that context, where there is no kind of sense that one member of the couple is the dominant member, that you're enjoying people you meet together and individually, that you go through life like that. It's really a fantastic thing. That's what relationships are all about, the way I look at it. And as for what happens intimately, I mean, I've, I've been accused of, of saying, and I'll say it here again because I, I love to be accused of things, I've been accused of saying, well, what I really enjoy about physical intimacy with a woman, because that's what I'm into, is really giving her pleasure. My love and my tenderness and my caresses and the things that we do are, what can I call them, a gift? As I spoke about in a previous podcast, it's a matter of honoring the woman, honoring her, honoring her femininity, which is, sounds like a kind of silly word out of a, out of a magazine, but femininity is basically her divine feminine, her divine feminine, in which I very, very much believe. So much of Western psychology, you know, even people I really like, Sigmund Freud, Jacques Lacan, is all about penis envy. Silly kind of thing. Silly kind of think, thing about it. You know, why isn't there clitoris envy, vagina envy. Why aren't men envious of the fact that if you really want to know the truth, one of the big truths I'm going to share with you is that women have and can have and are capable of having much more radical and fantastic orgasms than men. Right? In terms of time, in terms of intensity, in terms of depth of feeling, in terms of something that is truly revelatory and transformational in terms of life and in terms of their experience, something that can create a togetherness and a bond with the person that they're with, much more significant, much more rousing, much deeper as an experience than the orgasm that a man can have. Men should envy women that ability. And somehow, by paying attention to the woman, by paying attention to the things that, that stimulate her, pay attention to the way that she comes to excitement and reaches orgasm at a certain tempo. Pay attention to those things. Learn from those things. This is a task for a man. But so men don't 
So many men don't accept that task. And I think one reason for that is honestly, one of the big secrets I'm about to, uh, I think it's two or three secrets already for this, even for this one podcast. Are you ready? Okay. Many men simply don't like women. Are you ready for that? They like them for sex. They like them as housekeepers. They like them as eye candy to parade in, in, in front of their friends. You know, that's kind of nice. Uh, they like their, their personalities, if I may use that word, as long as they're congenial and nice and sweet and fun and go along with their, their moods. The minute that a woman expresses any kind of emotion, pain, or anything, anything along those lines that is negative in, in any way, the man shuts her out. Have you ever observed that? When women express emotions, whether it's about the relationship or about something else, entirely family matters or anything, the man shuts her out. Think about it. If you're a woman, look at how many times that, that you've seen that happen. As a man, I've observed men do that to, to women over the course of my life, and I've observed that a lot. Because, basically, these men don't like women. They were brought up and programmed in a household where the man was very likely to be that kind of a man, the kind of a man who does not have any sensitivity, if that's the right word to use, but there's much be a better word for that, receptivity, acknowledgement even, of a woman's feelings, of a woman's pain, of a woman's delight, even, dare I say it, of a woman's sexual ecstasy and fulfillment, he shut out in that private moment of his ejaculation. Shut out in that private moment of his ejaculation. After which, in the old-time movies, he turns around and smokes a cigarette. You now, rolls over, lights up. Nowadays, you know, he may smoke something else. It doesn't much matter. By the way, as far as I'm concerned, I'm really not into drugs at all. and just, They never did anything for me. I like things that in, inspire me creatively. I got in big trouble uh, with some friends of mine who were both big marijuana users. And I said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, marijuana, cannabis, as they'd say nowadays, is good for two things, listening to music and sex. And they freaked out as if, you're not supposed to say something like that. It's like as if, you know, maybe the, you know, they use all this all this uh, cannabis, and they don't appreciate that. Very, very, very strange. So this was my little talk about dating, which I acknowledge branched out into a few other other areas. I do want to say briefly, because it's something that, 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 that came up, a theme of this podcast series in general has been acceptance of and rejoicing in and exulting in and being exuberant about the infinite, about the fact that there are and should be no limits and no boundaries. Because we have all of these theories. There's a big bang, a big bang and everything is slowly dissipating. You know, And it's kind of like how relationships are model for, for some people. There's a big bang and then everything slowly floats off into space and dissipates and maybe the couple get a divorce or like my friend with his kids, you know, the kids are out of the house and everything's gone by then. 
you know. But the acceptance of the whole notion of infinity, and I and it has been commented that you know one cannot extend sexual excitation on indefinitely. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But you know, and there's no uh, there's no way of having an infinitely long sexual excitation with or without orgasm. But there's something that is possible, and that is and that is understanding that love, not love for a person, for a particular person, but just love in general, the love that you feel, the love that you have in your heart, the love that you have in your soul, the love that you have in your spirit, and allow to grow there, allow to grow there. And, you know, you look at it and you say, well, those are the weeds of love. I'm going to pick them. There are no weeds of love. Or those are the flowers of love. I'm only going to let those grow and not let the other stuff grow. Love is a big plant, a big garden, a big forest with many kinds of plants in it. Not just one. And they're not about, again, they're not about one particular person. It's about a mode of living, a mode of thinking, a mode in your heart. This is what love is. And that kind of love is infinite. That kind of love can go on, be, go on forever. That kind of love can span from this lifetime into all the lifetimes ahead. So, this is my short take, if I may call it that, on dating. Next time we'll have something else for, your, for you. Perhaps go back to my more typical topics in Western philosophy, ancient and modern, and psychoanalysis, largely the European and British schools thereof. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the person you're in love with, you're in love with, whether they yet or ever will appreciate your love or not. Honor them enjoy them and share love by being who you are. Here's my recommendation of a love and relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Her name is Anita DiFrancesco. Her website is www.tantrawisdom.com She's also on her Tantra Wisdom Facebook business page and her love and relationship coach Facebook page. She is not only a love and relationship counselor and psychotherapist, she is a two-time national award-winning journalist and the author of two excellent books, Live Free, Recreate and Liberate Your Life, which deals with matters such as the ones we discuss here in this podcast, mindfulness, sexuality, relationships, and so forth, and the Donna Gentili story, a spellbinding true crime thriller about the brutal murder of her first cousin and of her attempts to identify the killer. Both of these books, Live Free, Recreate and Liberate Your Life, and the Donna Gentili story, are available on Amazon. Or check her website.